The Duke de Lomelette. The Duke de Lomelette is a humorous short story by American writer Edgar Allan Poe. It was first published in Philadelphia's Saturday Courier on March 3, 1832. The Saturday Courier was a weekly publication in Philadelphia that ran from 1831 till 1841. The story is intended as a satire on the works of Nathaniel Parker Willis. The Duke de l'Omelette Keats fell by a criticism. Who was it died of the Andromache? Ignoble souls, de l'Omelette perished of an ordolan. La history en est brevi. Assist me, spirit of Apicius. A golden cage bore the little-winged wanderer, enamored, melting, indolent to the Chausse d'Antin from its home in far Peru, from its queenly possessor La Bellissima to the Duke de l'Omelette, six peers of the empire conveyed the happy bird. That night the Duke was to soup alone. In the privacy of his bureau he reclined languidly on that ottoman for which he sacrificed his loyalty in outbidding his king, the notorious Ottoman of Cadet. He buries his face in the pillow. The clock strikes. Unable to restrain his feelings, his grace swallows an olive. At the moment, the door gently opens to the sound of soft music, and lo, the most delicate of birds is before the most enamored of men. But what inexpressible dismay now overshadows the countenance of the duke. Horror, Sheen, Baptiste, lo ciel, ah, bon Dieu, ocio modeste que tu as de ses plumes et que tu as servi sans papier. It is superfluous to say more. The duke expired in a paroxysm of disgust. Ha, 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 said his grace on the third day after his decease. <laughs> replied the devil faintly, drawing himself up with an air of hauteur. Why, surely you are not serious, retorted Dalomlet. I have sinned, Sevrai, but my good sir, consider, you have no actual intention of putting such such barbarous threats into execution. No what? said his majesty. Come, sir, strip. Strip, indeed. Very pretty, faith. No, sir, I shall not strip. Who are you? Pray that I, Duke de l'Omelette, Prince de Foie Gras, just come of age, author of the Mazurkiad, and member of the Academy, should divest myself at your bidding of the sweetest pantaloons ever made by Borden, the daintiest robe de chamber ever put together by Rombert, to say nothing of the taking my hair out of paper, not to mention the trouble I should have in drawing off my gloves. Who am I? Ah, true. I am Beelzebub, Prince of the Fly. I took thee, just now, from a rosewood coffin inlaid with ivory. Thou wast curiously scented and labeled as per invoice. Belial sent thee, my inspector of cemeteries. 
The pantaloons, which thou sayest were made by Borden, are an excellent pair of linen drawers, and thy robe de chamber is a shroud of no scanty dimensions. Sir, replied the duke, I am not to be insulted with impugny. Sir, I shall take the earliest opportunity of avenging this insult. Sir, you shall hear from me. In the meantime, au revoir. And the duke was bowing himself out of the satanic presence when he was interrupted and brought back by a gentleman in waiting. Hereupon, his grace rubbed his eyes, yawned, shrugged his shoulders, reflected. Having become satisfied of his identity, he took a bird's-eye view of his whereabouts. The apartment was superb. Even de l'omelette pronounced it bien comme il faut. It was not its length nor its breadth, but its height. Ah, that was appalling. There was no ceiling, certainly none, but a dense whirling mass of fiery-colored clouds. His grace's brain reeled as he glanced upward. From above hung a chain of an unknown blood-red metal, its upper end lost, like the city of Boston, Parmelinues. From its nether extremity swung a large cresset. The duke knew it to be a ruby, but from it there poured a light so intense, so still, so terrible, Persia never worshipped such. Geber never imagined such. Musselman never dreamed of such when, drugged with opium, he has tottered to a bed of poppies, his back to the flowers, and his face to the god Apollo. The duke muttered a slight oath, decidedly approbatory. The corners of the room were rounded into niches. Three of these were filled with statues of gigantic proportions. Their beauty was Grecian, their deformity Egyptian, their tout ensemble French. In the fourth niche, the statue was veiled. It was not colossal, but then there was a taper ankle, a sandaled foot. De l'Omelette pressed his hand upon his heart, closed his eyes, raised them, and caught his satanic majesty in a blush. But the paintings, Cupris, Astarte, Astaroth, a thousand of the same, and Raphael has beheld them. Yes, Raphael has been here, for did he not paint thee, and was he not consequently damned? The paintings, the paintings, O oh luxury, O oh love, who, gazing on those forbidden beauties, shall have eyes for the dainty devices of the golden frames that besprinkled, like stars, the hyacinth and the porphyry walls? But the duke's heart is fainting within him. He is not, however, as you suppose, dizzy with magnificence, nor drunk with the ecstatic breath of those innumerable censers. The Duc de l'Omelette is terror-stricken, for though the lurid vista which a single uncurtained window is affording, lo gleams the most ghastly of all fires. Le parve Duc, he could not help imagining that the glorious, the voluptuous, the never-dying melodies which pervaded that hall as they passed filtered and transmuted through the alchemy of the enchanted window-pane where the wailings and the howlings of the hopeless and the damned and there too there upon the ottoman who could it be he the petite mater no the deity 
who sat as if carved in marble, et qui sorit, with his pale countenance, see a merriment? My seal fout gear, that is to say, a Frenchman never faints outright. Besides, his grace hated a scene. Delomlet is himself again. There were some foils upon a table, some points also. The Duke says Chapeur, he measures two points, and with a grace inimitable, offers his majesty the choice. Horror, his majesty does not fence. How happy a thought, but his grace had always an excellent memory. He dipped in the Diable of Abbe Gualtier. Therein it is said, Que le Diable no se pas refuser un jeu de carte. But the chances, the chances, true, desperate, but scarcely more desperate than the duke. Besides, was he not in the secret? Had he not skimmed over Père Lebrun? Was he not a member of the club Vinct Un? Si je perds, said he, I shall be doubly damned. Voila, tout. Here his grace shrugged his shoulders. His grace was all care, all attention. His majesty, all confidence. A spectator would have thought of Francis and Charles. His grace thought of his game. His majesty did not think. He shuffled. The duke cut. The cards were dealt. The trump is turned. It is? It is? The king? No. It was the queen. His majesty cursed her masculine habiliments. Delomlet placed his hand upon his heart. They play. The duke counts. The hand is out. His majesty counts heavily, smiles, and is taking wine. The duke slips a card. C'est à vous affaire, said his majesty, cutting. His grace bowed, dealt, and arose from the table and présentant le roi. His Majesty looked chagrined. Had Alexander not been Alexander, he would have been Diogenes, and the Duke assured his antagonist in taking leave that if he had not been de Omelette, he would have no objection to being the devil.